Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's not too late to get your backyard looking its best for the season. The author of Lawn Care for Dummies shares five tips to get your green on this summer. Also this morning, concerns about indoor air quality are not new, but the pandemic has made us more cognizant of the importance, and technology can provide a way to breathe better. And in our ongoing Keeping the Faith series this morning, are you really okay? The pandemic may be ending, but for many, returning to life as normal may not be as simple as just taking off our mask. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Wednesday, May 19th, 2021. If you need a reason to celebrate, there's always a reason to celebrate. Today is Celebrate Your Elected Officials Day. Hmm. Maybe we'll find another reason to celebrate there. (laughs) Is that something we really want to celebrate? I'm not sure. Celebrate Your Elected Officials Day. It is also, and I think this is really cool, May Ray Day. May Ray Day. It is a day, it says, for getting outside, soaking up the sun's rays, and celebrating the warmer weather. May Ray Day. National Devil's Food Cake Day, Turn Beauty Inside Out Day. And it is World Family Doctor Day. So, shout out to all of the family physicians out there. This was a really interesting piece in the New York Times yesterday. And I don't read the New York Times, you know, as a as a matter of habit. I, I don't it's not like I pick up the New York Times every day, but I did happen to see this piece online and I thought it was really interesting. It says if you don't know any of the names of President Biden's top White House staff, that is not by accident. It's not because you haven't been paying attention. Apparently the president likes it that way. Uh, Unlike in White House's past, where there have been staff members who become celebrities in their own right, that is not the case now. Quoting from the article, undoing a longstanding Washington tradition in which staff members enjoy their own refracted fame. uh, The Times says, uh, Mr. Biden, quote, does not like profiles of his staff in the news. It is just kind of the way he likes doing things and it's kind of a low-key get the work done atmosphere that he has been cultivating since taking office and this apparently dates back to all of his years in politics he's been involved uh, in big-time politics for decades and has reportedly gotten burned by uh, celebrity consultants in the past And so he has learned over the years to surround himself with people who are more low-key and like to keep a lower profile. Uh, The Times says uh, Mr. Biden has the least personality-driven West Wing in decades. And that, that struck me, and the reason that struck me was obviously that is a very sharp contrast to the previous administration. I'm not passing judgment here. Stay, Bear with me on this. Uh, obviously, Mr. Trump's White House was filled with big personalities. And 
Obviously, it was a revolving door, a lot of people coming and going. That was Mr. Trump's management style. This is the polar opposite of that. And it reminded me of the difference, the contrast between Richard Nixon in the early 70s and Gerald Ford, and even after him, Jimmy Carter, where... And especially Carter, because one of the things that uh, historians and presidential you know, presidential historians will will say is that one of the things that led to Jimmy Carter's election uh, was in in 1976 was the backlash against all of the underhanded dealings and so on that we saw in the Watergate years. And here was Jimmy Carter, who by all accounts was a fundamentally decent man who was a Washington outsider and voters kind of resonated with the idea of a very decent human being in the White House. Now, it turned out that Jimmy Carter was obviously not a very strong president. He was a decent man and his line, I'll never lie to you and and so on, really resonated with with voters. And I thought, is that, this would seem to imply, this piece, that we are seeing the same sort of thing happen and kind of play out in politics today. That after four years of the flamboyance of the Trump administration, that we have a very low-key, keep-your-name-out-of-the-news, nose-to-the-grindstone kind of, again, you can agree with the policies and the... Um, uh, and the work that the Biden administration is doing, but the way they are doing it in sharp contrast to the way the Trump White House went about doing things. And I just thought that was interesting. Again, uh, a case, if you really think about it, of history repeating itself. So I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's really deep to be thinking about that in, in those terms uh, this early in the morning. I don't know, but I, I saw that and that really kind of got me to thinking about the history uh, of presidential politics over the years. So last week, the CDC announced that fully vaccinated people no longer need to wear masks indoors and outdoors, most locations, indoors and outdoor locations and so on. But not everyone apparently felt relief about that announcement. Mental health experts say in a Health Day Now interview that the COVID-19 pandemic has left a lasting mark on people's psyches and we will be struggling with lingering worry for some time to come psychotherapist sherry uh amantenstein uh, i think it's how you pronounce it she says we lived for over a year with such fear and uncertainty and now your body doesn't know what to do our cues are all mixed up suddenly what was forbidden is supposed to be okay again just like that so how do you react Dr. Vivian Pender says everyone is dealing with their pandemic year through a process very similar to uh, very similar to the stages of grief as they deal with the shock and the denial of the pandemic's many impacts on their lives. Experts say many people will be easing back into regular life along with the pod of friends and family they have limited th themselves to uh, during the pandemic and then gradually expanding that circle of friends and family. 
Uh, the experts also agree that the pandemic has had a silver lining or two. For example, you have likely gained some things in your life you didn't have before, maybe some perspective uh, on what is really important and so on and so forth. So there is always that. But I thought it was kind of interesting, uh, just something to keep in mind as we come out of the pandemic. If maybe a friend or a family member doesn't immediately feel comfortable with everything suddenly going back to normal and kind of turning on a dime. Basically, what this story is saying is cut them some slack. You know, they're uh, dealing with this adjustment just like we adjusted to the pandemic in the first place. Kind of interesting there. Uh, what else is uh, going on here? Oh, uh, this is uh, kind of interesting. Uh, obviously, we uh, talked about the labor shortage, uh, businesses having trouble hiring people these days. And a lot of people put the blame on the enhanced unemployment that is now coming to an end in Ohio and many other states, uh, thinking that'll get people off their backsides and get them back to work and all of that. Uh, that is certainly one contributing factor. Um, and there are others as well, but that's a, a big contributing factor, no doubt. But this is, I saw this uh, job posting and I thought this is probably one that they will have no problem with filling. Uh, the liquor lab is looking for someone to spend a year trying out different cocktails and giving feedback. You are good. It's a British company uh, looking for someone to drink on the job. <laughs> Normally that would be frowned upon, but not in this case. The company is paying a drink tester $280 and all the drinks they want for free. <laughs> so the monetary compensation is nothing to write home about, but all of the drinks you want for free to apply. Those who are interested have to submit a review of their favorite cocktail on the liquor lab website. And I would guess that this is something that you could do remotely. Like I said, it's a British company, but I don't think you would have to move to Great Britain to do it, right? You could pretty much do this anywhere. So I don't think you would... <laughs> I don't think that they will have a problem filling that job. So anyway, there you go. Some of the most uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Wednesday morning started. <laughs> WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast, partly sunny today with a high in the low 80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60. A lot of people spend some time walking down memory lane during an open house at Finley's Lincoln Elementary. Enjoy yourself, guys, tours. Take yourself around the building. How you doing, sir? Good to see you. The open house was held to give people a chance to check out the building one last time before it closes at the end of the school year. Thomas Brumley started at Lincoln in 1947 and went to first, second, and third grade there. He says he had some great teachers. I remember all my teachers very well. Mary Brenner, for example, is, is uh, was a wonderful first grade teacher. She, the the uh, Child uh, Development Center across the YMCA is named after her. We also got some memories from a woman who taught at Lincoln for 35 years. You can get more in a video we have on our website. Lincoln is closing as Finley City Schools undergoes some elementary school building consolidation in the wake of three failed operating levies last year. 
Ohio has reached a vaccination milestone. More than 5 million Ohioans have now received at least one dose of the COVID vaccine. That's around 43% of the state's population. Officials expect to see an increase in people getting vaccinated so that they can enter the state's vaximillion drawings. New data released by Ohio's unemployment program shows that the state overpaid more than $2 billion in jobless benefits since the start of the COVID pandemic. Officials with the Ohio Department of Job and Family Services said that three-fourths of those payments are considered to be non-fraudulent, but fraudulent payments totaled more than $460 million. If you received one of these overpayments, ODJFS says you won't have to pay that money back if it was given to you through no fault of your own. Daniel Barnett... ONN News. The second phase of a major renovation of the Tiffin Drive-In Theater is underway. Construction has begun on a new concession stand building, which will house state-of-the-art movie projectors. Last October, the original movie screen was brought down, and a new all-steel screen was put up in its place, and a second all-steel screen was also erected at the rear of the lot. The drive-in will have a grand reopening in late August or early September. Get more on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, lawn care season is definitely here. Not too late to get your backyard looking its best. Horticulturalist and author of Lawn Care for Dummies, Lance Walheim is uh, with us this morning. Lance, how can we keep our lawns nice and green all summer long? It's such a simple question, and I'm guessing that there, uh, that could be a complex answer. Well, you're absolutely right. Having a great lawn is not about doing one thing right. It's about doing several things right. And I have five tips that will take you on your way to having the best lawn in the neighborhood. All right. Number one, have your soil tested. Usually your local cooperative extension service can do it for you, or at least they can tell you where to have it done. And a soil test is going to give you the pH and allow you to make adjustments. And it's also going to let you know if there's any nutrient deficiencies or excess. So that's number one. Number two, make sure you're mowing properly. Start the season with a nice, sharp blade. That's going to give you the cleanest cut and the best-looking lawn afterwards. Um, uh, you can have somebody sharpen your blade for you, do it yourself, or you can go out and buy a new one. They're not all that expensive. The other thing is make sure that you're mowing at the correct height. If we're talking about Kentucky bluegrass, we're usually talking two to three inches. Paul Fetsky's a little taller, about three to four inches high. And the important thing to remember is that in summer, when it's hot and it's dry, it's best to go at the upper end of that recommended range because the taller grass is going to help shade out weed seeds, but it's also um, going to result in a deeper root system, which is going to have a better reservoir of nutrients and moisture to draw from. It's going to be basically more heat drought tolerant, so mowing higher is better. Now, the, how often do you mow? Well, the usual recommendation is that you mow when the lawn reaches one-third higher than the recommended rate. Okay. So if you do that, you're mowing, you're mowing fine, and you can go ahead and leave the clippings on the lawn, and they'll break down quickly without forming thatch. They'll add organic matter and nitrogen to the soil, and you won't be adding grass clippings to um, the landfill. So leave the clippings lie. Uh, and then when we're talking about mowing, we always got to talk about safety because too many kids get injured every summer from lawnmower accidents. So keep the kids away. Make sure you walk the lawn before you mow. There's no hard objects or anything you're going to hit. And let's get everybody through the summer safely. Number three, spring's a really important time to fertilize. So make sure you apply a, a high-quality lawn fertilizer. Number four, water efficiently and properly. 
Now, most lawns are going to need about an inch to an inch and a half of water a week. If it's not raining, obviously that means you're going to have to apply supplemental irrigation. The goal is to wet that lawn down to a depth of about six to eight inches and then allow give the lawn several days to uh, dry out before you water again. And the lawn is going to tell you if it needs more water. It's going to turn that grayish green color instead of bright green. And when you walk across it, you'll see your foot your footprint. So um, you want to make sure that you water. Watering every day on a lawn is just is not something you should do. That's going to encourage disease and all sorts of other problems. We've got all sorts of technology that can help you with proper lawn watering too. Rain shutoffs that will turn off your automatic uh, controller if it's, if it's been raining. Uh, the controllers are getting much more simple to use. They adjust with the seasons. Um, you can even get smart controllers that are hooked to a weather station wirelessly. So hmm. there's a lot of great tools out there to water properly. Now, in spite of your best intentions, you're probably going to get some weeds. And that's why I love BioAdvance 5-in-1 Weed and Feed. This is an innovative new product that saves you time and money, and it takes the guesswork out of when you apply a weed and feed product. It kills and prevents both grassy and broadleaf weeds, and it feeds your lawns for three months. So if you apply it in the spring, you apply it in fall, you can say goodbye to dandelions and crabgrass and over 200 other weeds. Um, so I, I really love that product. So those are five tips that I have to to get you on the road to the best-looking lawn in the neighborhood. Really uh, important to uh, make sure that we uh, do those uh, proper treatments because you can do all the other uh, things right and you still uh, will uh, likely have some uh, weeds. I know uh, that is something that we fight every single year. What is the one mistake that people make? Something that we do thinking that we're helping that either doesn't really make a big difference or that can actually be counterproductive? It, you know, it's probably watering improperly, either applying too much water or not applying enough. Um, you know, applying the water in, for short periods so that it only goes down, say, an inch or two. Um, and there, if that's all the water goes down, that's all the farther the roots are going to go down, and you're going to have a lawn that dries out a lot faster. Mm. So applying water every day. Um, doing it shallow and not deep, uh, those are probably the, the things that people do most often. But the other thing is that they don't even watch their sprinkler system run. You know, they get up in the morning and they maybe see some wet sidewalk or some wet driveway, and they go, hmm, that's interesting. But they never get to watch it because it goes so on early in the morning, which it should do because the winds are light and that's a good time to water. But, you know, watch it work and correct the problems that are out there. That's that's the, the most yeah. important thing I see is over or under watering. And if we do all of these things starting right now, how much of an impact is that going to make on our lawn this year? Will the results be immediate or are we just going to have an okay lawn this year and then next year is when it'll really pay off? Because like we said, we're already in the lawn care season. We mowed several times and, and so on. So uh, are we just basically maintaining it uh, this year and we're going to no, see a big payoff next year? Or? Well, both actually, because you're going to see immediate results. The weeds are going to start showing um, that they're having a problem pretty quickly and the nitrogen fertilizer is going to have good results. But the great thing about this product is, um, like I said, it takes the questions about when to apply it. The problem in the past with weed and seeds is that, well, is the fertilizer, the, can it be applied the right time the herbicide or the yeah. pre-emergent is? And the nice thing about this is it kills 
It's a good pre-emergent for both grafting broadleaf weeds, but it also kills grafting broadleaf weeds. So if you missed your crabgrass app preventer application, this is going to take care of the crabgrass. So it really simplifies things. Yeah. So I, again, going back to talking about the things that uh, maybe we've done wrong in the past, this will help eliminate uh, one of those. Again, uh, Lance Walheim is with us uh, this morning, horticulturalist, author of Lawn Care for Dummies. And uh, Lance, where do we get more information? You can get more information at bioadvance.com. There's a lot of great lawn care information there. And it just as a reminder, whenever you're using a lawn care product, make sure you're reading all the label instructions. That's going to get the best results, but it's also going to keep everybody safe. Absolutely. And again, uh, not too late to get your backyard looking its best for this season as we come up on uh, Memorial Day and the unofficial start of summer. Lance, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, of course, concerns about indoor air quality are not new. However, the COVID-19 pandemic has made people more cognizant of the importance of clean indoor air. And joining us this morning is Dr. Ken Thorpe, chair of the Department of Health Policy and Management at the Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University and a scientific advisor to integrated viral protection. Dr. Thorpe, as we mentioned, indoor air quality has always been important. How much more important is it by virtue virtue of COVID-19? In other words, is this a significant source of virus spread? Well, it's it's the major source of virus spread is is airborne uh, pathogens uh, and Certainly SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, uh, is highly contagious, uh, as are other pathogens uh, like the uh, influenza virus, uh, the cold virus, and so on. Uh, and I think it's just highlighted the fact that the uh, quality of air in many of our buildings, whether it's restaurants or uh, your house, schools, uh, is really not very good. Um, and so uh, I've been working with a, a group that has developed a technology that you can install at your house, uh, businesses, restaurants, uh, in the schools, that eliminates all of those airborne viruses uh, and provides clean air. So, as we mentioned, this has always been an issue, and we've always known that indoor air quality uh, was a problem, that it was not as clean as it should be. I have, uh, speaking specifically, first of all, about uh, public uh, spaces, you mentioned restaurants, businesses, schools, and so on, Uh, have they uh, adapted, and what ways have they adapted to provide cleaner indoor air, or have they? Well, we see a growing movement in that direction. I'm sitting here at the Intercontinental Hotel today in Houston, and they have put into place these COVID-killing air filter systems throughout the hotel. We also have the individual units that I can bring up to my room if I want, or you can bring home. So we're increasingly seeing businesses do this, restaurants, several school systems have put these COVID-killing air filter systems into the school systems. Uh, just to make the teachers and students uh, feel confident that they're walking into an environment that has clean air. So what about at home? Uh, Again, we usually talk about reducing indoor allergens or preventing the spread of influenza, the seasonal flu, and and so on. Uh, Now, obviously, COVID-19. How do we protect against poor indoor air quality in our homes? Well, the technology has evolved to the point that uh, there are now individual units uh, that you can buy. This is from this uh, IVP AIR, 
uh, company. Uh, you can buy an individual unit, place it in your house. Uh, it will clean out uh, any type of airborne pathogen, uh, including the COVID-19 virus, but also influenza. Uh, I, I find it very handy for uh, uh, pollen, uh, people who have asthma, I mean, any type of sort of uh, airborne uh, virus that's going to exacerbate uh, uh, with an asthmatic person, somebody who has upper respiratory problems, but mm-hmm. most importantly in the short term, it, it eliminates uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Well, and that was uh, actually going to be my next question. Is this uh, system pr- uh, protect against more than just COVID-19? Obviously, that's the top of mind, but as we referenced earlier, there are all sorts of uh, issues with indoor air quality that we really do need to address. And so uh, the, the good news uh, here is this has sort of gotten our attention to address a longstanding problem. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think the important point is, is that uh, the discussion in terms of how to mitigate uh, SARS uh, and COVID-19 is focused on public health measures and vaccinations. Both are critically important. But this uh, third approach, which uh, uh, households and businesses can adopt right now, is to introduce uh, uh, air filter systems into the home, uh, into your businesses uh, today, so that when you walk in, your customers or workers know that they're walking into a clean air environment. Now, aside from these uh, this system that we're talking about here, is there anything else in general that we can do to protect against poor indoor air quality? I'm thinking of, uh, in those cases where maybe the things that we've talked about uh, to this point are, are beyond one's control. Well, certainly uh, air circulation is critically important, so... Um you know, things are simple in the summer and the uh, springtime, opening up windows, um, getting uh, air moving through uh, your house or your, your place of business is important uh, so that you don't have a stale air. Um, but I think, you know, again, going back to the vaccination point is uh, uh, an important part of the, uh, the strategy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the long term, I mean, you know, we're going to have ongoing challenges with any type of airborne pathogens, the next type of flu that comes down the pike, right? Uh, cold season. Uh, these are all things now that we have tools that we can eliminate uh, with this new technology. Again, Dr. Ken Thorpe is chair of the Department of Health Policy and Management of the Rollins School of Public Health at Emory University, scientific advisor to integrated viral protection. We talk about uh, those systems. Where can we get more information? Right. The best place to uh, get more information would be go to the website, which is ivpair.com, ivpair.com. And there you'll see the wide variety of opportunities that uh, we have uh, uh, in the United States and globally to really uh, provide a safe environment and accelerate the reopening of the economy. That's the point. We want to uh, get things back to normal as quickly as we can uh, and also... Uh, as we've been talking, protect against the next time and all of these other things that impact indoor air quality as well. So that is the larger picture. Dr. Thorpe, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me on. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update to the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. This is one of those stories if you think you're having a bad day. Uh, this may make you feel a little bit better because if this hasn't happened to you, then maybe your day's not so bad after all. 
Happened in Largo, Florida on Saturday, 30-year-old Kyle Griffith accidentally shot himself in the leg while picking up a 24-pack of soda at his local Walmart. (laughs) Oops! Uh, Mr. Griffith had a a gun in his waistband that was not holstered when he leaned over to lift up the, uh, the case of soda. As he bent over, police say the firearm suddenly discharged. Shot him in the leg. Uh, Miss Griffith suffered an injury to his upper right thigh. Police, this is where it uh, gets kind of kind of funny. Uh, police uh, say witnesses also saw Mr. Griffith at that point take the gun from his pants after he was shot and slide it across the aisle to his brother. <laughs> Here, you hold this. <laughs> the reason, he says, because he did not have a concealed carry permit. So, obviously, he knew he was in trouble. He probably could have avoided the whole thing if he'd have done that before he picked up his soda, and then he could have avoided the whole mess to begin with. Uh, Mr. Griffith has been arrested and charged with a felony concealing of a uh, firearm. And I would imagine, um, well, the the discharge, they probably didn't char- uh, charge him with the uh, discharge uh, of the firearm. It was an accident, but still... Shot himself in the leg and then tried to tell his brother here, you hold this. <laughs> Should have done that first. You remember the uh, story, what was it, a couple of days ago about the uh, about the woman who faked her husband's funeral in order to get his mistress to leave him alone? Well, this is kind of a similar type story, but in this case... Uh, an elaborate form of revenge in which a woman in Germany named Sarah Villard um, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, in, in order to uh, get revenge on her ex, staged her own wedding. Uh, she uh, shared a video on TikTok, showed photos of herself holding hands with a groom for hire while dressed in a long white gown uh, she admitted she concocted the scheme after going through a breakup a couple of years ago. She uh, rented a space, enlisted her friends to play bridesmaids, and made sure to share the photos on Instagram where her ex would see them. <laughs> she says he found out through Instagram and texted me the next day and freaked out because he thought I was cheating on him while we were together. That, of course, wasn't the case, but he came to my house and wanted to talk to me afterward I was not interested. <laughs> That's a way to <laughs> get, get revenge, a very elaborate revenge plot. Um, she says she then blocked him and deleted him from all of her social media accounts. One commenter said this level of deception is either completely psychotic or absolutely genius. So, yes, you can decide. I, I don't know how much uh, would it be worth to you. I mean, this is no small expense. She rented the venue hired a quote-unquote groom, the whole thing, uh, to make it as realistic as possible. Uh, How much is it worth to you to to get revenge? She did admit in the video that she was a little bit crazy. So... (laughs) Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a South Carolina man has been charged with criminal domestic violence after dousing his girlfriend with a bucket of urine during an argument in the couple's apartment. The 27-year-old victim, 
according to police report obtained by the smoking gun uh, by the smoking gun claims her boyfriend fred funier age 61 came home drunk and started an argument about favors that needed to be done now what that means you can decipher that for yourself but that was the uh, argument after calling her a bunch of names profanities the woman says mr funier grabbed a bucket he uses to relieve himself and threw it at her the report i know what you're wondering because i was wondering the same thing the report does not address why mr funier opts to relieve himself in a bucket <laughs> but he just happened to have a, a bucket of urine handy that he could throw on her um maybe that's why he does that just so he has one just in case he has a bucket just in case Upon being now, when uh, cops arrived, he had passed out. They woke him up. Uh, Mr. Funye smelled of alcohol, denied throwing anything at the woman. The victim told police that she and Mr. Funye had been dating for four years and began living together about five months ago. She may want to reconsider all of her options. <laughs> An online wedding planning website indicated that the pair was engaged. Um, and it says that, uh, he proposed to her at a Walmart. So true love. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether the couple is still together, whether this is just a blip on the radar or whether I think that would be enough for me. <laughs> and finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, this week has been a little light on the uh, broken news. Um, but I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the Titanic, you know, the Titanic uh, struck an iceberg, sank in 1912. You know, the Titanic, uh, the story of the ship, which had been branded as unsinkable, has become etched in legend. Thanks in part to the blockbuster film back in 1997. A few years ago, a Chinese investor said he would finance a reconstruction, a life size replica of the ill fated ship. And now. The 260-meter-long ship will be the star attraction at the Romandija theme park in China's Sichuan province. It is set to open to the public very soon. Uh, the investor, Su Shajun, says the replica of the ship's functioning steam engine will make guests feel like they are really at sea, despite the fact that the ship will be docked uh, at, at a, uh, in a local river. But this is the... I saw that story and I thought to myself, how desperate do you have to be for a vacation <laughs> that you would go to China to visit the Titanic? I mean, just think about all of the things that are wrong in that picture. <laughs> how desperate do you have to be for a vacation? For that to be, where are you going on vacation this year? Oh, I'm going to China to uh, set foot on the Titanic. Oh, that sounds like fun. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Ed Vlance with OSU Extension. It's planning season. Drivers will be sharing roads with tractors and farm machinery. Be alert for slow-moving vehicles, especially on roads of limited visibility. Watch out for equipment pulling in and out of fields. Drivers and farmers, let's work together this spring to keep our roads safe and accident-free. 
This message from WFIN and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. As the lockdowns uh, around the world, around this country and around the rest of the world start to lift, uh, you've got bars and restaurants reopening, uh, sort of restarting in full capacity in some cases. Uh, and and finally, I'm mean, long last, uh, it's been a very tough year for bars, restaurants, uh, all of that, obviously. And while many people are happy to go back out, those businesses are still grappling with the fact that they lost a year's worth of revenue. Financial firm, uh, company debt, crunched some numbers, and they have come up with uh, a figure for it, what c- consumers would have to buy, the amount of su- uh, spending consumers would have to do now in order to make up for all of that lost time. So uh, for bars, uh, they would have to sell about 124 pints of beer per person to recover all of the uh, money they lost because of the lockdown. What? So instead of just going out for a beer or two, you'd have to go out for 124 beers per person in order to make up for uh, all of that lost revenue. Uh, the number is based on the amount of money the food and beverage industry lost compared to the average cost of a pint of beer. Now, I should point out that this study was done in the UK, so uh, the numbers may or may not translate on this side of the pond, but it kind of gives you an idea of just how much we would have to buy to make up for lost time. 124 pints of beer per person. Um, In all, they say the industry needs to recover about $36 billion to make up for a year of lost revenue. So what if you are not a big drinker? Well, in that case, they say you would need to purchase about 976 bags of chips. To, to cover all of the all of the losses. So 124 pints of beer, 976 bags of chips to make up for all of the lost revenue, according to uh, this survey. So get to work. <laughs> you remember a little bit earlier we were talking about this uh, uh, study, psychological study on the end of the coronavirus pandemic and how a lot of people uh, are are not really comfortable with going straight back to life as normal after a year of uh, such fear and uncertainty. Uh, psychologists say uh, your body doesn't know exactly what to do at this point. Our, our cues are all mixed up. Uh, suddenly what was forbidden is now supposed to be okay again. And for a lot of people, it is not possible to just kind of turn that on a dime and go back to normal. Just switch it on uh, like you switched it off uh, a year ago. So with that in mind, uh, you can lean on your faith in order to help you through this transition, which we always knew was going to be rather difficult for some people. Uh, Returning to normal may not be as simple as just taking off our mask as the pandemic ends, which raises the question, are you really okay? 
Correspondent John Clemens reports this morning, Keeping the Faith. Licensed professional counselor Deborah Freleta tells us the pandemic has allowed us to see the sordid underbelly. 2020 really surfaced a lot of underlying pressure in us as human beings. A lot of the things that were hibernating inside of us came to the surface. And I call those emotional explosions. For some people, it came out through anxiety, panic attacks, depression. For other people, it came out through addictions or withdrawal or unhealthy habits. In a way, 2020 really exposed to us how healthy we actually are from the inside out. She's authored the book, Are You Really Okay? It challenges the reader to take a closer look at what the pandemic caused since it was first detected. 2020 was a really hard year for so many people and revealed a lot of the underlying stress that was going on that people were not really taking inventory of. A lot of times it's easier to just push the stress away instead of stop, dig deep, and deal with what's going on from the inside out. Are You Really Okay? is a book that points out your Christian faith will not make you immune to the calamities of life. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean you're healthy. And I think a lot of people come to Jesus and come to faith with the assumption that when you become a Christian, automatically all of these things are going to line up the way they should be. Philada writes in her book, Are You Really Okay? about the misconceptions many Christians have about their faith. We don't assume that when we come to Jesus, all of a sudden our cholesterol is going to be just right, our blood pressure. We assume that we're going to be okay emotionally and mentally. And so I just want to challenge people to take inventory of how they're actually doing in those areas. Valeda is a prime example of a Christian coming under attack. You know, I've been through my own emotional and mental health struggles, and I think a lot of people are surprised by that. But, you know, doctors are not immune to physical illness, just as licensed counselors aren't immune to mental and emotional struggles. And so out of my own struggles was birthed the passion to spread the message of emotional and mental health. She writes in her book, Are You Really Okay? Becoming Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters, about one social experiment. There was actually a social study done where they asked people to rate themselves on a scale based on things like how kind you are, how moral you are, how good of a driver you are. And most people rated themselves as better than average. And they said, well, maybe this is just people who, you know, have successful careers or jobs or houses. Why don't we try the better than average issue with prisoners? And sure enough, even prisoners rated themselves as better than average than their peers. Readers of Are You Really Okay? will be encouraged to take an inventory of themselves. We have a tendency to see ourselves as better than we are. And I really believe that we do that in all of the areas of health. We do that with our spiritual health, our mental health, our emotional health, and our physical health. And so really taking inventory of how healthy we are means that we open our heart to the reality that there might be some work that God needs to do. There might be some healing that we need to go through. There might be some sins and habits and struggles that we need to face. She also encourages readers to tune into her podcast that features many well-known Christian leaders. I'm most excited about the Are You Really Okay podcast series where we're paving the way for courageous conversations about mental and emotional health in the church. 
I really believe that decreasing the stigma starts from the top down when we can open up in leadership. Here's how to get in touch with Deborah Faleda, author of Are You Really Okay? You can find me at Instagram at True Love Dates, and you can also find more about this message and the book at areyoureallyokay.com. This is John Clemens reporting. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more details about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, that is goodmornings.net. While you're there, you can connect to us on uh, social media, connect with us on social media. Links to our Facebook page and our Twitter feed are there. Also, you can contact us directly via email if there's something you want to share with us. And also sign up for our daily email newsletter. Great way to keep track of everything that's going on with the program each day before the show. Uh, We'll send you an advanced copy of the rundown uh, for the next day's program each afternoon before the show so you know what we're going to be talking about, who we're going to be talking with, and when. It is easy to sign up. It is absolutely free. Again, check it out, goodmornings.net. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, Going out and making it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.